The thoughts, opinions, and general overall shade thrown on Hyatt 9 News are those of the individual speakers and not those of Hyatt 9 News, its audience, or its advertisers. The statements made do not constitute medical, legal, or financial advice. And for advice tailored to your specific situation, please consult with a licensed professional. Welcome to the Hyatt 9 News Hour, where you will hear from cannabis industry experts and professionals from around the country talk about important topics while shining light on global issues and discussing cannabis as it relates to politics, regulation and reform, data and technology, science, research and medicine, family and parenting, art, celebrities and entertainment, fitness, sports, mental health and wellness and plant-based medicines and entheogenics. Together, we are building a stronger community, fighting the stigma and creating change. With your hosts, Jason Beck and Rico Lamite, joined by special industry expert correspondents from around the country and daily antics brought to you by Cannabis. Coming to you live every Monday through Friday at 9 a.m. Pacific time and high noon on the East Coast. And thank you all for getting high at nine with us. Oh, yes. Good morning, everybody. That's right. It's Thursday, August 31st. And today is National Diatomachiosis Earth Day, whatever that means. It's also National Matchmaker Day, National Eat Outside Day, National Trail Mix Day, International Overdose Awareness Day, and... Gretchen, one of your favorite states, even though it's not really your favorite state. National South Carolina Day. Oh, yes. Thank you for joining us and getting high at nine with us. It's also high noon on the East Coast. And please remember to like, share, and subscribe to us on all social media platforms. Use that fancy little QR code right there in the top-hand corner of your screen to see where we live at the Internet. And we're live every Monday through Friday on YouTube. And we are going to kick it off because we have some big, big, big news today to share with everybody. It's been the talk of the town huge. going around. Huge, huge, huge news today. Huge. And so we are going to bring in Gretchen Gailey, the founder of Panoptic Strategies and our very own Washington Insider who loves to dress up her dogs in even outfits that PETA wouldn't approve. That's right. It is none other than the Gretchen Gailey. My dog outfits are wonderful, and I think that HHS would approve of them just like they approved and are urging to move pot to a lower-risk category. Uh, U.S. health officials are recommending easing restrictions on marijuana, a move that sets the stage for potentially expanding the cannabis market across the country. A top official at the Department of Health and Human Services wrote Drug Enforcement Agency Administrator Ann Milgram calling for marijuana to be reclassified as a Schedule Three drug under the Controlled Substances Act according to a letter dated August 29th that has been seen by Bloomberg News. A DEA spokesperson confirmed the department had received the letter with HHS's recommendation with final authority to reschedule a drug. DEA will now initiate its own review, the spokesperson said. Reclassification is a step short of legalizing the drug entirely, but it would mark a critical shift away from marijuana status as a Schedule One substance, which includes drugs with high risk of abuse like heroin, LSD, and ecstasy. Schedule 3 substances such as ketamine are seen as less dangerous and can be obtained legally with a prescription. It could also give President Joe Biden an accomplishment to point to ahead of next year's election while reducing the taxes that cannabis businesses pay. Cannabis advocates say that rescheduling would be an acknowledgement by the federal government 
that marijuana has legitimate uses and would be one step on a path towards greater acceptance and availability. Marijuana stocks, which are held more by individual than institutional investors, jumped on the news. The MJ Pure Play 100 Index, which tracks cannabis stocks, rose 13% on Wednesday, pairing its year-to-date decline to 21%. And Columbia Care Incorporated gained 39%, and Our Wellness Incorporated climbed 29%. Biden rolled out new initiatives focused on easing penalties associated with marijuana use in October, pardoning all prior federal offenses or simple possession and urging governors to do the same with state offenses. He also asked the HHS secretary and the U.S. Attorney General to review how marijuana is scheduled based on its medical use, potential for abuse, safety, and potential for dependency. On Wednesday, White House Press Secretary Corinne Jean-Pierre said in a briefing that HHS and the Department of Justice, which oversees the DEA, were engaged in an independent process that's guided by evidence. We're going to let that process move forward, she said, declining to comment further. Marijuana is the most commonly used drug in the U.S. that is illegal at the federal level, according to the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. About one in five Americans used it at least once in 2019, according to the agency. Its current status as a Schedule I substance indicates a high potential for abuse with no accepted medical use, along with a lack of accepted safety for use under medical supervision. Yet, that conflicts with many states' rules that allow the drug to be used recreationally and prescribed for treatment of any, everything from glaucoma to anxiety. Moving the drug to Schedule Three would be the most significant federal cannabis reform in modern history, said Edward Conklin, Executive Director of the U.S. Cannabis Council. Cannabis should have never been scheduled alongside heroin and placed at the center of our nation's destructive drug war. Thankfully, that era is coming to a close, and it's being replaced by a modern and scientific approach to regulating this plant. Rescheduling wouldn't give the industry a comprehensive regulatory framework. The biggest impact would be to give beleaguered cannabis companies a tax break and make research on the drug easier. Prior restrictions meant that cannabis companies couldn't take the same kind of tax deduction as most companies, and its Schedule One designation meant it was hard even for academics to study the drug. HHS's recommendation was based on an extensive FDA review of marijuana's classification. Assistant Secretary for Health Rachel Levine said in a letter to the DEA, The FDA considered eight factors that determine the control status of a substance and recommended that marijuana be placed in the Schedule Three category. The National Institute on Drug Abuse agreed with the FDA's re- recommendation, uh, according to Levine. An HHS spokesperson said the department's comprehensive scientific evaluation was completed in less than 11 months in an effort to respond quickly to the president's directive. It's a huge day for the cannabis industry, said Brian Barish, co-chair of the Coalition for Cannabis Scheduling Reform, an advocacy group and deputy general counsel of Duchy, a platform for cannabis commerce. We would just hope that the federal government follows through on their recommendation. Some cannabis industry advocates said the recommended rescheduling doesn't go far enough and it won't fix the class between federal law and the 38 states that allow for medical use and 23 states that allow for recreational use. The move would do nothing to align federal law with the states, with each have their own laws to regulate it, said National Cannabis Industry Association CEO Aaron Smith in an emailed statement. The only way to fully resolve the myriad of issues stemming from the federal conflict with state law is to remove cannabis from the Controlled Substances Act and regulate the product in a manner similar to alcohol, uh, said Smith. Uh, For once, that's one thing I agree with Aaron Smith on. 
Um, yes, yay, schedule three. It's going to get my semi-happy jazz hands uh, because it helps with 280, but I think it opens another quagmire of problems for this industry. Um, but it is a huge step forward. Uh, but bear in mind, for all those who are getting excited, the DEA still has to approve this. Um, and I don't believe they're going to just approve it tomorrow. Their review scheduling could take quite a while. This Gretchen for Hyatt 9 News. Well, I'll tell you what, right now, I'm hoping that the DEA comes out and totally refutes this HHS proposal because Schedule 3 will have damning, damning, damning consequences over the industry overall. Because of the fact you have the Food, Drugs, and Cosmetic Act, Schedule 3 drugs have to be administered from a pharmacy. So is the federal government now going to make all the dispensaries classified as pharmacies? And I want to know one cannabis company that would have the money to put a skew through a FDA trial in order to have an approved product under their jurisdiction. Nope. See, nobody? Yep, exactly. See, there's no cannabis companies that can afford to do that. Jason, they, can you they would allow... What's that, Gretchen? No one can hear me? I hear you. Can you hear, can you hear me? Yeah, I hear you. Hey. Oh, you're All right, so... Over him. Okay. Um... <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Gretchen. Mm-hmm. Um, it's 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 the it's a sad thing because they know that individuals like you and I that do cultivate and have land that they, that cultivate we can't afford that, right? So the idea is to make it where the largest corporate structures can actually do it, and then they would be the only people that are actually selling marijuana. This is like the prohibition, like we were talking about kind of before the show started. This is kind of how you get out all of the small and pop businesses and you allow large or the largest corporate structures to actually take over is by doing stuff like this. This is all smart. This is very, very smart. This Making is, it a schedule three would ultimately kick guys that are trying to start small cannabis, uh, small cannabis businesses out of the door. No, what it actually really does is it gives the, the pharmaceutical industry, the cannabis industry overall, because the yeah, pharmaceutical well. industry already has drug preclusion on CBD with yeah. Epidiolex, and they have drug preclusion on Marinol for THC, and the uh, FDA regulates everything by the molecule as opposed to the actual substance. And so, therefore, it brings the FDA into regulating the cannabis industry, and everyone's just going to get screwed on this because of the Food, yeah. Drugs, and Cosmetic Act. So this, has okay. been the slowest, this has been the slowest finesse ever by the U.S. It's incrementalism, federal government. And it's being run by the cops because the DEA Trump. are the cops. Let's just Straight be up. clear. They're not medical. They don't want to be medical. They beat the drum about how bad this was for decades. Yep. I mean, they started in 1971, and they have been the arch enemy of trying to reform the laws around cannabis since then. I don't think they're going to have an epiphany, number one. I just don't see it. They want to control this. And it's going to be the end of social justice and anybody with a criminal record getting in this industry. Because okay. the federal government's never going to allow you to do the things we're trying to do with um, – Making, letting people in who have criminal records or for social justice, they're just not going to do that. Mm -hmm. Here, here's my question. Here's my question. Uh, we had, this industry had zero problem breaking the law when it was Schedule 1. Why are they going to have zero problem? Why are they all going to get in line now that it's Schedule 3? Oh, they're, they're, they're not going to get in line, but they're going to be regulated by it. Nah, yeah, but see, the whole thing is this, though. Regulated, but they, they didn't care before, so why are they going to care now? And frankly, where is the enforcement dollars going to come from to actually make this happen? I think the industry is going to carry on the way it is 
for quite some time. I don't mm. think that this is going to change much at all. We're going to continue mm. on in a totally gray area. The guys who are going to try and get compliant and try and come up with these products are going to be the MSOs. I think the industry is going to see quite a boost from this because of 280E going away. People are all of a sudden getting money. I think there, there are aspects that are going to be good, but I don't see this being the death of the little guy or anything, at least not tomorrow. This is totally maybe the death of the little guy. Five years. Yeah, maybe four or five years. I mean, it's a, a, a death by a thousand paper cuts, but it's the ultimate death. Get on that. You need to figure out how to get on the, the, the right path to federal legalization. No. I've been saying this since day one that federal legalization was a coming and that this is just one step to get there. And if you are not in line, you're going to get run over. So start getting compliant. If you think they're going to so allow any of these companies to produce Schedule 3 drugs, you're, you are living in a fantasy world. The, the, the pharmaceutical companies made amoxicillin just so you couldn't get the real thing. So I can promise you this much. If they make it a schedule three, it's out the door for they're going to they, then they get the they get the now they get to arrest people. So now it's not legal or now it's not illegal. But uh, you're doing it that way. And it's 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 you. you They can actually start putting people in jail now and and for longer terms as it is like and people say where's the money going to come from from the bodies that they're going to put in prison from mm -hmm. the people they're going to be trying to grow simple little plants and oh because you don't have this or that or whatever we just slap you and put you in prison and simple moms that was just used to always grow their own medication can't even do it anymore like it's going to get to a point where they're doing it like they did if you know history and you've seen what they did during the prohibition at first they had um, the, the, the alcohol illegal for years they had an illegal for big pharma and it's going to be coming from uh insurance plans and um and you're going to have to make legalization it isn't even decriminalization it's no it's worse you have to make a choice between 15 dollar yeah, it's worse tony and they're not going to give up Within inside the cop world, they're not going to give this up. It's such an easy thing to go thump people and put them in jail for. They're not going to walk away they from it. They legally search their car because you said you smelled something that you know you didn't smell, but because you said you smelled it, it gave you a right to go into someone's car. We know this. Trust me, I'm black. I've been this way for my whole life. We know what they use to get inside them. Car. When you when you take a look at criminal justice, and all cops are trained in this, if 10% of your population is violating your prohibition, and the stat that uh, Gretchen just gave is that 10% of the population smoked weed last year. Okay? That tells you, you can't enforce a prohibition. So what in the actual fuck are you trying to do here? These are games being played. And it's a nice headline, and we get a, a lot of discussion today about it. But it's an incremental change in a direction that I don't think is going to fix anything. Exactly. They're going to continue to whack-a-mole. Mm -hmm. And all this is going to do, Dale, is fuel the illicit market and the illicit trade. And, and there's going to be more products that, are, that, are, that people say that are unsafe and whatnot because people are not going to be able to ultimately end up purchase these stores in a, in a regular shop. Well, in the black market, if you know, I don't want to use that as a pejorative phrase, but the illicit market is just going to go on steroids. Mm -hmm. They don't give two shits exactly. about how old you are to buy it. You got a, you got a, a hundred in your pocket, you're going to get some weed. Mm -hmm. Okay, And it, it really takes away from the public safety argument we've been trying to bang for a long time. Better. Let's make this as safe and tested as we can and then see if we can rein in the industry. And this is not going to help, you know, in my opinion, very much. Mm -hmm. I'm wondering if it will help in the area of public opinion when it comes to lawmakers. Will this change any of their minds with 
the HHS and DEA if the DEA gets on board. Uh, since this puts cannabis into a much into a lower classification that says it is not an abusive drug, um, does this get them to change their stances and soften uh, on moving forward with legislation? I know it op- yeah. greatly opens the door for research, which is all that Washington wants ever is research. Um, I think this would help get Washington a little more off the fence. I, I, I'm, I'm not sure, Gretchen. I mean, I, I could see it maybe happen to one or two members, but not like a not like to where you're going to be able to build a coalition. And, and even and even the ones the, the ones or twos that that do soften up on this position due to that are we're only using the schedule one thing as a crutch because they don't want to actually look at what's actually happening in reality. And so I, I don't think that this is going to be a big shift of Congress being in favor uh, and more support around that just because it's Schedule 3 as opposed to being Schedule 1 because it's still the same substance. And if they really wanted to look at it, they should look at the Farm Bill because they actually legalized weed under the Farm Bill because Cannabis Sativa L is the same definition in the Controlled Substance Act for hemp as it is for cannabis. So. And we all know how well that went. Exactly. But my next question is for then Stone Slade who is in a state with, and same for you, Tony, a state with quite the population. You guys don't have uh, legalized cannabis. Do you think this softens the stance of any of your state lawmakers? Would this help get cannabis across the finish line in Texas? I don't think it does when we're looking at, like, Greg Abbott and, and his henchmen, Dan Patrick and all those guys. I don't think this moves the needles for them. I do I do think on a, on a personal scale it's going to help a little bit. I don't know, though, man. You know, it's it's also screwy. I, I, I agree a little with what, what Gretchen said. Like, I know this isn't what we wanted. We wanted the schedule or bust. But everybody now is operating as a, with it as a Schedule 1. The feds are leaving you alone. What makes us think they're going to come in like gangbusters now? Well, well I'll, I'll, t- I'll tell you why, Stone. I'll tell you why, Stone. Because we have this thing called the Rohrbacher Farm Amendment, which is now known as the um, uh, 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 McClintock Blumenauer uh, Bill which is a federal appropriations bill that prohibits the DOJ and DEA from extrapolating federal funds to go after state licensed cannabis businesses. Medical states. It's, it's all the same thing. Okay. Okay. Whatever all right. Uh, yeah, it, it does. It actually does. It actually does. No, it, not, it actually no. does, Gretchen. You have to understand how, how it actually yeah. works, it, but it's okay. okay. It's okay. I, I know nothing about it's, how Washington works. It, 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 it basically works because it is against the law for the police to even ask you, um, it, what, what state your product came from. Unless you're carrying an out-of-state product in an out-of-state, the police can't, can't even investigate whether or not you have an out-of-state product, and that, that's how that, that works. The, I don't know what the hell you're talking about, but the bill says that federal funds will not go to the enforcement. It does I, exactly. Not into the specificity yeah. that you are suggesting. Exactly. It goes into, um, enfor- into enforcement. That's any kind of enforcement because it's written so broad that it encompasses it all. That's my point. So, but in regards with that, the thing that it doesn't that, that it doesn't uh, stop Stone is it doesn't stop the FDA and by going to Schedule Three would bring the FDA into play with regulating cannabis, which currently they're not because it's a Schedule One drug, okay? And the FDA regulates everything by the molecule, and they don't regulate by the substance, and so therefore they would be re- regulating on THC as a molecule, which would co- follow right. under right. any product, and they'd be regulating CBD as a molecule. Army of regulators that's going to show up and shut down all these businesses. That's all they have to do is start sending out letters, Gretchen. You don't need a whole army for all that. Oh yeah, because everyone's so scared of a letter. In this hey, I mean, I, I, I've gotten letters. I've gotten letters from the office of the attorney general with asset forfeiture and whatnot, and that did close a lot of stores. So letters do work. Listen, Gretchen, to your yes, to sir. your question, mm-hmm. it's legal in Texas if you have a medical marijuana card. 
I've seen dispensaries. Yeah. I've walked in dispensaries, or I've walked in dispensaries here in Houston. So if you have a medical marijuana card, you can procure marijuana here in Texas, and you yep. can have up to a certain amount, and you're only going to get a fine. You'll get a ticket. They don't take you to jail. So it is it is laxed here, uh, more so than it is in maybe other states. And I know people be thinking that oh, it's like super strict there in Texas or whatever. No, you got maybe like half ounce on you or some shit like that. It's like a ten dollar fine or some shit like that. It's not really an even, even an issue. You know, you can get a DUI if they catch you smoking in your car or smell it in your car and it's like really pungent. But if it's just a like uh, a faint smell of it or whatever, they can search your car, of course. Now you're giving permission to search your car if you want to put yourself through that. I don't smoke in my vehicles. Mm-hmm. But if they catch you with a small amount of marijuana on you, they're going to give you a ticket. It's a $10 ticket. It's a fine. It's nothing. Yeah, but that's, it's, that's, that's for an ounce and under. That's for an ounce and under, though out there the major cities they definitely lax and in the surrounding smaller cities around those they have lacked um the, the key the teacup medical program in texas is, is why don't, weak. Why, why don't you just call it what it is stone cities that have real crime don't enforce on as much on little crime that is true okay that's that's what it is but if you're near some some small podunk town all right with like two sheriffs please believe you're getting hemmed up and you're going your ass to jail or if you're in the black going to jail, and my cousin is yeah. going to put you away forever. Exactly. I had a cop in Texas one time uh, pull some papers out of my pocket. He said, you know what we call this here? We call this here paraphernalia. Okay, yeah. Uh, Rico, Rico, what are you trying to say? Is my mic messed up? Uh, go ahead. We hear you. We hear you, Rico. Go ahead. You're a little low. I'm still, I'm still low. You sound perfect, yeah, Rico. Not. Go ahead. Nah, man. I, I was saying, like in the black communities, it don't matter if you if you're more populated or less. You're gonna get you get pulled over. You can get hemmed up, and you're gonna get a get a, gonna get accosted reg- uh, regardless. Mm-hmm. I just think that this whole, yeah, this whole thing, just like Dale said, man, this is this is a distraction. It it's is gonna get everybody revved up on exactly. both sides. Yep. And you know who's gonna win in the end? The trap. Mm-hmm. The trap the is trap definitely going to win. Wins. But you know who won yesterday, Rico? Yeah, people choosing between uh, uh, copay Walgreens weed versus uh, $90, uh, whatever, at a legal dispensary. Who are you going to choose? You're going to choose the man in the middle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> hey, hey, and, and Rico, you know who also who, who really won yesterday? Was all was the markets was the markets because the stocks were uh, cannabis stocks were up like crazy yesterday because of this news and it's all by people that don't understand the ramifications yep. of what and is about know, to happen. You know to do when everybody's buying, right? Mm-hmm. Sell, 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 sell. sell. Mm-hmm. Well, here's, a, here's a question. I got a question for you, Rico, because I, you know, I'm not a finance gal. So does this mm-hmm. now mean the companies can list if it's not Schedule One? No, it just means that uh, Poseidon was uh, a couple weeks early. <laughs> oh, oh, boy. oh boy well and i would love to hear from uh, uh, rochelle because i know that you were looking into um what the sentiment was across the industry what people were saying about this yeah yeah no doubt Gretchen. it's been really interesting uh to see the divisiveness within the industry um play out um, and as many would expect, it seems like the heads of the MSOs are stoked and mm-hmm. the people who are more social justice minded are not. Um, Marijuana Moment did a great job pulling together some different quotes from across um, Congress, uh, from advocates in cannabis. Um, and it had a really, really nice.
of of thoughts on this, um, you know, from politics, uh, Chuck Schumer, who has uh, been a big proponent of cannabis, he said that HHS has done the right thing. He said that DEA should now follow through on this important step to greatly reduce the harm caused by draconian marijuana laws. There is still much more that needs to be done legislatively to end the federal prohibition on cannabis and roll back the war on drugs. That seems to be a sentiment. I think politicians are definitely playing it safe. I think they understand uh, that there is divisiveness within our industry. So while they are celebrating, it seems it is more cautious. Uh, Case in point, uh, Representative Earl Blumenauer, another advocate for cannabis, said this is a step in the right direction, but it is not sufficient. Uh, Blumenauer, of course, is the co-chair of the Congressional Cannabis Caucus. He followed that up with saying, I hope this is followed up by more significant reforms. This is long overdue. Uh, Representative Matt Gates, who has been loudly asking the FDA uh, and the DEA to make recommendations, he celebrated this by basically touting his own uh, campaign on Twitter, uh, posting a video of himself uh, pressing DEA Administrator Ann Milgram, who the letter was to uh, that Gretchen spoke about earlier. Um, within cannabis itself, it seems that the advocacy groups are mixed, but mostly on the sides of deschedule, not reschedule. Um, normal Deputy Director Paul Armentano, did that correctly, said the goal of federal cannabis policy reform ought to be to address the existing untenable chasm between federal marijuana policy and the cannabis laws of the majority of the United States. Rescheduling the cannabis plan to Schedule 3 fails to adequately address this conflict as, as existing state legislation, legalization laws, both adult use and medical, will continue to be in conflict with federal regulations, thereby perpetuating the existing divide between state and federal marijuana policies. And I think this is the main key uh, to this entire debate, right? Like, this is not going to legalize the plant. Um, it's just going to make it more regulated. And I think for people who are concerned about the adult use uh, laws uh, that have been passed in the states, where are they going to fall in this, uh, in this debate? Uh, Bolpack said, in order for President Biden to truly fulfill his campaign promise to decriminalize marijuana, it must be removed from the CSA entirely. Um, and Box Brown, who's the uh, author of Legalization Nation, a cartoon that we all, I think, know and love. He reminded us on Twitter, he said, the CSA is a racist vestige from the Nixon administration, admittedly created to target black people. Not only should cannabis not be on the CSA, the CSA shouldn't exist. Um, now, I think it's radical to believe that the DEA would, would absolutely get rid of the, uh, the CSA, but I do agree that cannabis does not belong on it. If alcohol's not on there, cannabis shouldn't be either. I, I agree with a lot of that, Rochelle, right there. Cannabis should definitely not be on the Controlled Substances Act. Um, not, I, I'm not sure if I believe that we shouldn't have a Controlled Substances Act, but I definitely believe that cannabis should not be on there. Cannabis should be treated as a nutraceutical and whatnot, and cannabis should be descheduled. This should not be rescheduled. This is a big, big backstep that the industry is viewing as progress. Go for it. Gretchen, I can't Just hear you. That there we go. Now, you're out your mind. Can you hear that? 
yep. to suggest that this is a back. This is a back step. It's a major back step. Crazy. 100% it's a back step. Okay, tell that to all the businesses who are now going to get the 280E relief. I will. I don't care. I'll tell them I'll tell them all day that it tell is. Tell that to all the researchers I will. who are finally going to get to do something. The researchers can research all it that they want. It is not the step that you want, Jason, but to pretend that this is taking us backwards this is, is idiotic. Just watch. It's taking us backwards. Idiotic. Trap is the only one that's going to live. Okay. Trap's uh, always going to yeah, let's keep Jag it moving, off. Rico. Let's, let's let's end it on Jason's a jag off. Mm-hmm. <laughs> let's, let, let, let's end it. The schedule three is a joke. Schedule three is a. It's not progress. Is not a done deal. It's not progress. That's all I'm saying. It's not a done deal. It's not it's progress. Though, right? It's 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 a back step. So, DEA has to do what they're gonna do, and we ain't know that. We ain't know that. Ain't gotta go. Play. All the trap always gonna win. Mm-hmm. We need to put that on a shirt for merch. Oh, that's all I'm saying is when we need Gretchen Faye saying the shit. We need her saying it on a shirt. And I'm like, Jason, was all said and done, man, you gonna get on the phone. We are gonna talk about it. You know, I got the, the, the me and Doctor Dope got the the company over here for t-shirts. We are gonna get that on shirts. The trap always wins, and we are gonna put Gretchen Face on the saying that. Mm-hmm. Shit. Let's get some money. Look, she's smiling. She's with that. <laughs> are we going to go to a commercial first, Jason, or what are we going to do? No, you know what? I think we should just cut all the commercials today because there's just been so much to do, and we have a number of stories to cover. We're just going to cut all the commercials today. Let's do it. Give me an intro. Oh, yes. Coming up next, it's the dope dad himself. That's right. It's Rico Lamid. He's a professional back peddler. He's a professional reparations activist on top of being a dope dad. That's right. It is the dope dad himself, <laughs> Mr. Rico Lamid. Yeah, we got to activate them reparations. You know how I feel, Jason. Oh, All right, so you know what? There are no coincidences. America's opioid crisis had such an impact on all American communities, not just black ones this time, but all American communities that, uh, that lawmakers decided to actually do something about it. And now the capitalism ensures that the Sacklers will never be fully held accountable for the millions dead and strung out at their behest. Uh, I'm confident that their names will be immortalized regardless, and they'll be idolized for such good-hearted generosity, prompting them to donate enough of that blood money, excuse me, hard-earned wealth, uh, to get their names permanently emblazoned on hospitals, universities, and concert halls from coast to coast. It's already happening, and uh, because real history is not taught in our schools anymore, all of us, our grandkids, will never know how Dick Sackler really bossed up because capitalism is great. And so in lieu of the earth-shattering rescheduling recommendation by HHS News that Gretchen so eloquently covered this morning, and none of us saw coming as soon as Joe Biden took office, I'm going to be covering a coincidental, totally not planned article dropped last night by uh, Pharmacy Times promoting the multiple anticipated revenue streams pharmacies should be getting excited about excited about as they wait for big pharma and the US government's guidance on placing opioids uh, replacing opioids with copay cannabis what a time to be alive uh, per the article the 50 billion dollar opioid settlement framework approved by the cons- uh, a consortium of attorney generals and the US justice department holds pharmaceutical and health insurance companies accountable for their involvement in the opioid epidemic it does however have broader implications potentially shaping the distribution of cannabis in big box pharmacies and the integration into mainstream health plans 
since all this new research surprisingly backs up and builds upon all that existing research, suggesting a potential potential correlation between the um, the availability of medical cannabis and a reduction of opioid-related deaths and overdoses. There's no better time for pharmacies to get their pockets ready for the massive windfall coming their way. For states that have legalized medical cannabis as an alternative pain relief option, and ironically, as a means to counter opioid abuse. The settlement framework acknowledges this connection and provides an opportunity to standardize the cannabis, uh, standardize cannabis as the go-to pain management tool for mainstream ca- uh, health providers. The Sackler settlements still being educated, but the framework's already broken down into three categories. Substantial multi-billion dollar, what Jason? Reparations. <laughs> you can get reparations from the opioid crisis. Uh, number two, Rehabilitation coverage because rehab works. And number three, devising alternative diversion uh, plans because we can't arrest everybody who is selling drugs anyways, right? So all this paves the way for a tidal wave of regulatory changes surrounding cannabis. Watch these holdout states rush to legalize medical uh, cannabis to make sure that they get their cut too. The Compassionate Care Act and similar examples of state-specific legislation already set precedent for aim and aims uh, to offer legal protection and accessibility for all in need of that good government weed. Uh, the framework financial uh, repercussions force pharmaceutical companies to, dir- uh, to diversify their product lineups, meaning pharmaceutical sales reps cannot wait to replace those empty Oxycontin slots with the latest heat from Jazz and GW Pharma. It's been in motion for years, and I and if you followed the money like I told y'all to every single damn day on this show, none of this would have been a surprise to you either. We were focused on social equity, community initiatives, and believing that the little guy even had a chance. Trying to save the children from gas station Delta 8 gummies that looked too much like candy, while major pharmaceutical chains netted over a billion dollars in retail CBD sales from unregulated hemp-derived products. CVS. Rite Aid, Walgreens, billions of dollars uh, selling CBD, but we're worried about gas station hemp. Wake up, y'all. When federal legalization does drop, look out for all all those weirdo branded CBD companies already selling that bullshit at at CVS, Walgreens, and Rite Aid, uh, miraculously expanding their limited ass product catalogs in warp speeds to include plenty of 0.4% THC options. Box on the shelf empty? Well, got to show your ID and get in line at the back of the store to trade that in for the good stuff, sir. Sunday Scaries D is a controlled substance now. But uh, what happens when somebody ends up with more uh, more than FDA-approved 30-day supply? Um, how are they going to handle inevitable supply issues? I went two months without Adderall this year due to a, a short supply issue and damn near stabbed a man. It ended up being a CVS security guard and he ended up selling me some in the parking lot. So we good now. What up, Martinez? Uh, Seriously though, uh, all leading indicators pointed at this thing playing out exactly how we saw it happen from the jump. I don't know how long it'll take for the full transition, but rescheduling is about to change the game as far as we know it for good or for worse. Uh, but no need to panic. FDA's always got our back, and I'm sure that Big Pharma will be kept in check. But you know who wins in a fight between a $15 copay weed from Walgreens with a Z and $90 rec shop brunts? Who always wins, Jason? Who? 
The trap will always survive. Every damn day. I'm Rico Lamita, the dopest dad on the street, man. I told y'all, these are all four of the pharmacies, man. These are all four pharmaceuticals. These are all four big pharma. They have been waiting for this, and they're ready to go. This is not for the little guy. Mm-hmm. Come on, Gretchen. Yeah, Definitely not for the little guy. She's on mute. What do you want from me? Dude, I've been telling y'all people since day one, get on board because they're coming. <laughs> uh, if anyone ever on. thought that this was going to be some happy little, you know, St. Germain growing festival, kumbaya love fest for the rest of our lives, y'all are out your damn minds. Well, I told you the regs are coming. Government's coming. They always want their, their bills paid. They're coming for you. Government's coming. And you know who's good at paying those bills? Pharma. Not us. That pharma is very, very good at paying those bills, which is another good reason why it's going to Schedule 3 and they're just going to screw everybody in it. And you know why farmers really good at paying the bills? Because they kill more people than anybody else and they never have to pay the penalty. They never go out of business. Mm. So they're always going to pay the bills. What do you want? They they always pay the bills because um, they force us to pay them. They always pay the bills because they force us to pay them. And even when they're wrong, they can't pay out. We pay ourselves mm-hmm. for their mistakes. Mm-hmm. Very true. Very, very, very true. Full-time jack move. Full-time jack move. But we're, we're worried about feelings over here. You know what I'm saying? Like, everybody's always showing up to a business meeting. And you don't know shit about business. Right? I'm so. never worried about feelings. Oh, yeah, man. oh, let Gretchen now tell we, it. Time we get off of that and time we talk about reparations. And uh, you know what, Jason? Let Gretchen tell it. should him. be giving reparations to all what? of the legacy dealers. That's who should be getting reparations right now. You know what, Rico? Everybody that's that's one reparation I could get behind right there. Everybody who's out there trapping on the streets yep. before all this bullshit, they should get reparations. I mean, mm. I can get behind that. I could get behind that. I would, And I would have proof of, like, the big, big, big reparations check coming back with three DEA raids and everything over the years and all kinds of fun stuff. When he, when he said that, only, only, only vision in my head was David Chappelle dressed as Prince, and I just heard, give it to me, give it to me. That's all I heard when he did that. When he said that. I just, give it to me, baby. Game blouses. Oh, man. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, thank you, Dave Chappelle. We appreciate that. Oh man! Uh, yeah, I think that's something you can get behind, Jason. I think that's pretty much anything. I think I, 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 I hundred percent think I could get behind that without a doubt. Without a doubt, I could get behind that, and you know, on, and and the streets would love it, and it would be it would be a whole economic stimulus plan for the hood 2.0. It'd be it'd be. Oh yeah, well, who yeah. knows? We might we might just take that money and buy some uh, good, some good government weed. I don't know. Maybe, maybe we'll, uh, maybe we'll tell Trump about this, uh, this policy, and uh, ma- maybe he'll, uh, maybe he'll enact it when he's back in office. Oh man! Let's keep rolling because I know, we, I know we went, uh, we went um, as long as we could for that first story because it's very important. So let's keep it rolling here. Up next, we got uh, the longest continuously operating. No, nope. no, nope. Dale, game. Dale, Dale Schaefer. Oh, we got Dale, Dale Schaefer. Dale? Okay. We have the longest continuously operating attorney in the game who just <laughs> just recently hung up his uh um what do you, I mean what do you, what, what, what a lawyer's got? You got the, Shingles. the what are you, you going to hang up at the end of the career, man? What do you hang up? His briefcase. Dale. 
Dale can't hear you for some reason. I can't he hear you. His brief, he traded his briefcase and got it reupholstered and got a, it got the back of that uh, lazy boy patched up with his briefcase leather, so it's nice and fresh for y'all. Come to the stage, y'all know who it is. The man who teaches a three-part course on pissing up a rope, Mr. Jed Dale Schaefer. You're on, Dale. Oh, sorry, Rico, I couldn't hear you. I'm sure you gave me the... Uh, the honorable, uh, grumpy old cussy, bullish shit uncle that I really am. Okay, um, my my <laughs> story comes out of California today, and our attorney general Rob Bonta announced that he's going to start a new program to eradicate marijuana in our state. And say he's full of shit is an understatement. This comes out of Law 360. A headline, California AG debuts partnership with cities to combat illicit pot. Now, we've been fighting um, with law enforcement here since 2015 took place in 1996. And what they tried to do was attack us through the criminal law system, uh, which is draconian but slow, and it's hard to win, costs a lot of money. Uh, local jurisdictions went administratively against uh, trap shops, if you will, illegal grows, by uh, adopting nuisance laws. and are, and then you, you get uh, drug into an administrative process where you're declared a nuisance and there's fines that come along and yada, yada. But it was done individually by cities and counties and it, it wasn't well orchestrated, not well funded and not very successful. And then we have the civil fines now. Once you pass our regulations, you can be drug into civil court if you're uh, unlicensed and you're selling weed or you're growing weed or whatever. And again, that's very slow, very costly, and you don't get out of the system what you want. Uh, right now, the traps and um, move to a new building, um, move uh, indoors, and you, you got to really do a lot of work to find them. Costs a lot of money. So what Rob Bonta just announced is that uh, the city of Fresno, which uh, is in a very conservative county, and they have chosen to open up and uh, regulate inside the city, has brought in a program from our State Department of Justice to bring their resources and what they're calling the Cannabis Administrative Prosecution Program, which is going to make use of administrative law proceedings, which are a rocket docket. If you violate the nuisance laws by growing weed, having a trap shop, having a manufacturing shop, whatever, you're declared a public nuisance, and then the, you're going to get one warning. Stop your shit. If you don't, they're going to come after you administratively. And now in administrative law, you don't really have a lot of defenses. It goes very quickly. They come after you. They give you a notice. We're going to come fine you. You typically have about 30 days to appeal the fines. And then you go into administrative law process where you basically are, the scales are tipped for you to lose. Now, this has never been well funded, so it hasn't worked well. And it looks like Bont has at least figured out part of the game here. If you want to beat the trap, you got to be able to adjust and, and you got to be able to strike quickly and get results and remedies quickly. Unfortunately, this is just a continuation of whack-a-mole because uh, the government has never been able to shut down the trap. And they fall into selective prosecution and it's, it's ripe for corruption and greed and all sorts of shit. Uh, so I don't think that it's going to work. 
And the problem we have here in California dates back to the 1870s when we, when we uh, revised our constitution. We gave local control to cities and counties to um, be in charge of their own traditional police powers, which is public health, safety, and zoning, what you can do or can't do in certain zones. So locals have that control. And until we get some way to bridge around that, we are never going to have the markets opened up so that the trap is uh, going to have competition. And until you have competition in the economic space, it's simply not going to work. And they also announced, uh, it's called EPIC, and I, I like these, these words they use. I think it, it means it's going to do something worthwhile. It's fucking bullshit. It's called EPIC, Eradication and Prevention of Illicit Cannabis. This brings the state and federal government together. They're going after you primarily, as they say, for marketing to children, for, for violating our environmental laws, and for, not, for evading taxes. And trust me, the tax angle is where you're going to get your ass ripped up because the tax people don't play here in California. If you don't pay your taxes, and if you're a trap shop, okay, you, you, you're making money without paying taxes. They can come after you for tax liens. And what they claim they're going to do is give you a warning. And then if you don't um, figure out the problems involved with the warning, whether it's growing weed illegally or not paying your taxes or whatever, the next step they're going to come in, they're going to go after you, they're going to lien your properties. They're going to go after the property owners and get these properties to stop allowing this. And they think that's going to somehow work. Until they open the marketplace up and green light the green market everywhere and let them actually compete economically with the trap, the rest of this is just red meat to law enforcement and it's a continuation of the wasted time of whack-a-mole. They can't win. Back at you guys, tell me what you think. You're 100% Amen. right about that, Dale. 100% right about all of that. They, they, so, like I, said, like I said, man, they wonder why nobody wants to pay taxes put into bullshit like this. You know what? I'm going to just say this. No one is supposed to pay taxes. The Congress has never and could never That's implement a law to, to, tax, to, to tax your labor. Um, I can say this out in the open. I have never filed the income tax, and I'm not going to ever do that. And the moment that you do do that, you are <laughs> getting into an agreement with these people to then be stuck paying an income tax, which goes to a banking system owned by the Rothschild family. So I do not subscribe to such foolery. If you guys are smart, you're watching this out there and you're tuned into us, and I'm telling you guys, you need to learn what an LLC is and what a trust is. And if you live through your LLC, you'll pay a minimum amount of anything, if at all anything, and you'll learn a beautiful phrase called writing off. And we are not tax professionals. Well, not, not to be too much of a turd in someone's punch bowl here. Back in 1910, they amended the federal constitution to bring in income taxes. So, Tony, I, I hear what you're saying, but it just doesn't hold up in court because they, the feds can tax you your income. It's in the constitution. So um, I agree that you need, I build asset protection businesses all the time. You need an LLC, a C-Corp, something that will protect your assets. And you're right, Tony, write the shit off of everything you can. Mm -hmm. Everything. That's right. Don't foul. Right, Don't write pay. it off. This is not financial Don't. advice, just for the record. Mm -hmm. <laughs> well, hey, you know what? I'm lucky. You know why I'm lucky, Dave? Because my millions was created in California at a time where you could not put weed money in the bank. Boom. Yep, you put it in your backyard. Absolutely. I get it. Mm -hmm. But eventually, Al Capone visited Alcatraz because of the tax problem. So there's yeah, that. But see, Al Capone, look, look, 
Al Capone wasn't selling legal marijuana and they couldn't take his money. They can't tax money that you can't bank. So if they can't tax money that you can't bank, then they can't establish an income. So there's nothing to tax. They, 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 they limit themselves. In, in so many ways, these people are so smart, they're stupid. By not allowing people to put their money in the bank, then you are yourselves preventing yourself from understanding what their income actually is. So you can't even tax an income because you don't even have the information on it. Financial tra transactions, especially done by cash, are done anonymously. They don't have that information. But there's people who are walking around with briefcases full of cash. Okay, again, we are not a financial uh, yeah. advice place at all. Please move on. Yes. Yes, we're gonna we're we're gonna keep this keep this keep this train rolling. Coming up next. Oh, is it you got this, Rico? It's we we're going to Stone. We're going to Stone Slade. <laughs> Representing ATX, Austin, Texas, where they're known for dabbing Delta eight on rooftops and uh, trolling under bridges. This man is always on top of the bridge because he is hitting the high road. Coming to break us off with a little bit of that Texas smoked barbecue heat is my man stone slade thank you rico i appreciate the the nice intro my friend all right ladies and gentlemen i've got a news piece that has got people talking scratching their heads or just lighting up one in contemplation a recent study at columbia university is turning heads and perhaps lighting up different kinds of conversations the study points out that cannabis users may have elevated levels of lead and cadmium in their blood Yes, you heard me right. Heavy metals. Now, I've enjoyed cannabis since the early 80s, and the only heavy metals I found in my blood are from the metal bands of the 80s, like Ozzy Osbourne and Slayer. So let, let's break this down. The study took a look at over 7,200 adults and found that those who had used cannabis in the past 30 days had 27% higher levels of lead, 22% higher levels of cadmium in their blood. Tiffany Sanchez, one of the authors, had this to say, for both cadmium and lead these metals are linked to stay in the body for long for years long after exposure ends now this is something to consider why because lead can mess with your blood pressure and your kidneys and cadmium well that's a carcinogen not the kind of buzz we all hope for uh let's figure out let's i mean let's talk about now this jigsaw that is the u.s cannabis regulation or lack thereof with no unified federal policy, there's little in the way of standardized safety checks. Jim Seberg, assistant director of the Drexel University Medical Cannabis Research Center, emphasizes that there's tons of illegal uh, dispensaries popping up that aren't regulated and they're not, they're not selling regulated tested products. Now, some may think this could be a little bit of anti-cannabis propaganda. Maybe, after all, we all have been fed scare stories about the devil's lettuce for years. However, our colleague, Dr. Felicia Dawson, believes that there is some truth to these findings because she pointed out to me that this study does a really good job of amplifying the different ways that heavy metals can get into cannabis from chemical fertilizers to biosolids, which is human waste, conventionally raised livestock, fed these metals to protect them from parasites, and well, as well as heavily polluted soils around larger cities like New York, Chicago, and LA. So if there's even a kernel of truth out there, then it really is just gives us more reason to push for federal legalization, uniform rules could ensure that the cannabis people are consuming isn't going to turn them into the toxic avenger. Now, the reality is unre unregulated or legal dispensaries are still rampant. There's no federal testing for hemp-derived products either. So you might walk into a dodgy dispensary in, in New York and think it's all kosher, but end up with something that's closer to Chernobyl soil than high-grade cannabis. So when does that leave us? 
Well, it's a buyer beware market, my friends. If you're going to enjoy cannabis, source it responsibly. Hopefully the guy that you know that knows a guy that gets your cannabis is clean. Or if you're in a legal state, obviously find a reputable dispensary that knows what they're doing and fulfills your best needs. Let's ensure that the only metal involved in your cannabis experience is in your playlist, not your bloodstream. So next one, light went up responsibly or not at all. I'm Stone reporting for the high hour. Oh man, Stone, that was very interactive right there. Getting really technical yeah. over there. That's pretty good, Jack, baby. I practiced that. I want you to know, yeah. I practiced that before anybody was in. Worked like a. Uh, sorry. Yeah. Anyway, heavy metals <laughs> bad. Heavy metals, well, cannabis bad. Is, and, and, and cannabis is hear, a scavenger in the soils. It'll well. suck up anything. It's great to remediate some of these um, polluted soils if you don't try to consume the shit you grow. But in California, we have heavy metal testing, and a lot of my clients fail that for all sorts of reasons. And you've got to get to the source of it because lead's a neurotoxin, and it really doesn't do well for you. And the rest of these have long-term consequences also. Um, I think the best way to ensure that's to grow your own you know, or to have it tested somewhere. But then you go, you pop up on the radar if you go into testing facilities having weed tested. So I'm not sure many people want to do that. It's just a problem in the industry that until we legalize this and, and get uniform testing, it's just going to be a problem. You know, Stone, did they have a breakdown of, of how many people that were tested um, that were vaping? It did not, at least not not the article, the NBC article that I sourced. I didn't see that. Uh, it did mention, though, that it included, it, it bunched together people that had smoked cannabis or tobacco. So I don't understand how the numbers can be solid there for if they're not distinguishing those two from each other. Well, as, as Mark Twain used to say, there's lies, damnable lies in statistics. So be careful on statistics until you really isolate what you're trying to look for and do blinding of it. And of course, the evaluator bias is a problem and how big's the sample. Um, so I would be cautious about buying this hook, line, and sinker. But heavy metals are a problem. Uh, if you're trying to puff this up and grow it quickly, Pesticides, fungicides, and heavy metals are used, and they end up in these products, and you just got to be careful. Indeed. Let me keep it going because uh, we're short on time, Jason. Go ahead. Right Go ahead. We're rolling. We're rolling right into Rochelle. She already did it. All right into, uh, we got Montega. We got, we got the <clears throat> roll into Tony. Rolling to Tony is is is, is, is similar to uh, to Dale's tale, and um, he can go into a little bit more detail good on it. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, because somewhere around the world, that is truly what time it is. Today, I'm here with my co-host. We're here, nine at high. I mean, high at nine news. I'm high already. If you can tell. And today's topic is Hawaii Psychedelics Task Force holds first meeting as experts plan for legalization. A Hawaii Psychedelics Task Force. Uh, that was recently established under the governor's office has held its first meeting as experts work to prepare the state for potentially uh, for potentially uh, uh, to potentially allow regulated access to novel therapies such as psilocybin and MDA. The Office of Wellness and Resilience said that the Breakthrough uh, Therapies Task Force 
Comprom- uh, comprised of lawmakers, health professionals, law enforcement, and drug policy reform advocates. They all met on Tuesday to assist the state in expanding therapeutics as, um, access uh, to psychedelics that are pending approval by the FDA, the Food and Drug Administration. Legislators have advanced bills and resolutions to encourage investigations into psychedelic therapies in recent sessions, but the legislation was not ultimately enacted. Nonetheless, the Office of Wellness and Resilience said last month that it would it was moving ahead and established a task force anyway with plans to hold listening sessions as they create a final report with findings and recommendations that is expected to be completed by the end of the year. That's it. So we got to read everything else. It's just everything else is just whatever. It's repetitive. And we got the we got Hawaii office of- said that the laws that in those state policies are rooted in growing bodies of research that is establishing psychedelics as the most promising uh, news frontier. Basically, what they're saying is that they really didn't have everything together to do it, but they're doing it anyway, and they're going to just put out a report, and the reporter's going to say what they think or they believe, but I don't think there's going to have pretty much a real impact on anything because mm-hmm. uh, they're going to have to wait on the Food and Drug Administration as well as um, other legislative bodies to get involved with this. I don't really see the the. I mean, I'm sorry, you guys. It wasn't hey, Tony, much Tony, if, if, if they're doing it and doing it, are they still? Well, do, California well? has started, and I think Oregon's passed a statewide initiative. Yep. To start to uh, allow psychedelics, and there's multitude of issues to try and parse out here, Tony. Um, first of all, when psychedelics were made illegal, it was not tagged on the black community; it was tagged on the white hippie community. So I think we have less of the moral outrage with this than we had with tagging, you know, weed with the black community. That that still is one a tough one to parse out. And who's going to be the the person or the people that are going to be involved? The FDA. In- the FDA is going to regulate it. And so this is what they're saying, right? They're saying we are now on the precipice of an exciting movement in healthcare and uh, consciousness. And I agree. Like this, this I believe that a lot of things that are happening. Eventually, there will be a lot of things that will be beneficial to people. But the reason what I'm saying is the same story is because when you hear stuff like the FDA and FDA approved, then you're hearing is pharmaceutical. The only thing that we continuously keep hearing is, yeah, that's the only thing I keep hearing. It's just regulation. And and what I'm getting from this is like, OK, the 11 member task force will also be studying the experiences of Oregon and Colorado, which have already enacted laws creating regulatory pathways for certain psychedelics. It's already done in certain places. And if you've lived in Colorado where I lived in Colorado and you've dealt with. Uh, the legislative branch is there as far as trying to get pretty much anything done, the taxation, everything else. This is just another swindle. I, I just, I, all I see it as a, a, someone that has good intentions that wants something good to happen for the, the you know, for Hawaii. Or, and I just see that the government is going to come in and they're going to just bigfoot these people. Well, it's the tax and regulate mentality and it, it doesn't work. And, there's no question that psychedelics are better antidepressants than your run-of-the-mill pharmaceutical antidepressants. They figured that out in the 1950s, and that research keeps hitting them square in the face when they try to argue against it. Because you can get prescribed any of these goddamn antidepressants, and they're not near as effective as you know microdosing mushrooms on a regular basis or taking ayahuasca trips. There's things like that that work much better, but we lost this. When they demonized, you know, drug use 100 what? years ago and trying to gather it back out is a difficult problem. 
what I was just trying to find before we go, before I was just trying to find was that they're actually trying to make selling vitamins and stuff like that like illegal online, the FDA. So if the FDA has the ability to, to make this type of stuff illegal online, as far as I'm concerned, when it comes down to uh, uh, regulations, I don't, I'm don't. i going to see them having a heavy hand on this. It's going to be hard for someone to have a wellness clinic because the FDA is literally crack, cracking down on wellness clinics. So it's going to be hard. It's like it's an oxymoron. So when I hear these people saying that they're one thing, but then they're, they're involving the, the FDA and the FDA will have the ability eventually to bigfoot these people, there, there will be no wellness, nothing down there. It's going to just be FDA. I, I mean, people can argue with me in the comments. I'm going to go read the comments. Maybe someone says something in there that will help me change my mind and give me something else to look at. Uh, I want to thank everybody here for having me here today. I appreciate everybody. Oh, well, Tony, yeah. this problem goes back to the uh, before the Pure Food and Drug Act when they established the FDA and they pulled all the nutraceuticals out and they demonized them. A lot of alternative medicine was demonized so that allopathic medicine and pharmaceuticals would, you know, be in charge. And we are still fighting that battle over 100 years later to allow people to do what the fuck they want to do with their bodies when they ain't hurting people and get the government out of your business. <coughs> Very much so, but you know, this is just the same thing that's happening to cannabis. It's getting turned over to Big Pharma, going to Schedule 3, going to Big Pharma. These uh, pharmaceutical companies are just going to just be profiting off all these plants and meanwhile selling you synthetic stuff that's not even the same quality as the initial plant because they think it's better and they can patent it and make and money off of big it. Raid, the crackdowns on people who are mm -hmm. trying to grow it for themselves. Mm-hmm. Having, having huge, it's gonna just gonna be, it's gonna be crazy, man. Uh, and regulations hey, and safety and protecting consumers and getting patients replicable quality medicines. Oh, the oh, oh yeah, because the FDA has you. such a great track record of of creating safe drugs. Get out of here I, with that, I Gretchen. Think are all out your damn mind. Get out of here with that one. Only survive on a mountain in California. Wake up, Murder Mountain. Go visit. <laughs> Murder Mountain. There. Yeah, Murder Mountain. Interesting place. <laughs> That's an interesting uh, way to end the show up on Murder Mountain. That's pretty cute, you guys. Pretty cute. Very, very, very significant in regards to the Schedule 3. Mm -hmm. You ready, Rico? We wrapping We're going to roll Rochelle? We're rolling it up, bro. We're rolling it up. She did her stuff. We're rolling up, bro. It's 10 o'clock. It's the end of the show. Rolling papers paraphernalia in Texas now, remember. <laughs> yes, Thank you all for joining us for yet another very, very lively edition of High at Nine News. You can catch us weekdays at 9 a.m. Pacific and also 12 noon or what we call high noon on the east coast i want to give a big shout out and big thank you to our live audience members and online supporters tuning in and giving us feedback on the daily headlines of chaos every single day um, and also a big thank you to our tenured industry correspondent team tuning in from all over giving us their wonderful perspectives and adding your opinions to the conversation as well to our production team uh, cloud media partners house of fuego and all of our sponsors keeping the lights on in our AV struggles to a minimum, and also Jaja Simone holding us down on all the other platforms. Um, also, Cannabis Sativa L, you're the sacred reason the Hyatt 9 News team shows up to read these stories every single day. We promise we will continue to smoke you every single day, even if you get down with Big Pharma. We still love you. God love for you. It has been Thursday, August 31st, the last day of March. 
2023. Hope you had enough news today from the Hyatt 9 team to put in your pipe and smoke at least until tomorrow. My name is Rico Lamid, the dopest dad on the street. And Rochelle Gordon, I just kept on saying your name over and over again. Why don't you take us out? Please give us a little bit of sanity because it's been a wild day. Sorry, I couldn't hear anything you were saying, but I see the cameras on me, so I'm assuming that means I have the last word of the day. Listen, whether you're for Schedule 3 or not, talking about cannabis and any sort of movement is still movement, whether it's in the right direction or not. Let's keep talking about it and have some uh, positive and debate. Thanks, guys.